Hello, welcome to From the Rookie End. Uh, my name is John. Uh, with me this evening, Monday evening, uh, is Mike. Tail firmly, firmly between my legs. Yes, I'm here. Made it. And uh, also Colin. Hello, Colin. Good evening. Good evening. Now, Mike, uh, as you know, we were planning to pod- uh, record this on Sunday night. Um, things and life got in the way, uh, but you put out a tweet apologising, so thanks for doing that. But you, you asked for possible punishments uh, for what you had to do. Firstly, uh, the 1881 Club would like you to do a shout-out to their YouTube channel. Can you do that for us? Yes, so go check out the 1881 Club's YouTube channel. I suggest you do it immediately to assuage my guilt. So, yes, that's the 1881 Club YouTube channel. Go check it out. Uh, David Gamble uh, wanted you to accompany him on his morning commute. Now, you, you didn't accomplish that, did you? No, I didn't, and I, I will. I'm going to I'm going to blame Arlo. He's poorly today, so I couldn't. Oh, OK. Well, we'll find out more about Arlo when we hear from him later on. Um, <laughs> uh, K. K. Eskima Seima. I don't know if somebody clever with that. I can't quite say how to say it, mate. Uh, Ken Sima. Uh, do a Mooney right in front of uh, Marco Silva at the weekend. The only way to make up for it. Now, <laughs> oh, I'd like to see that. Now, that would, you know well, no, I don't think you would. No, no, my problem with this is, yes, it'd be embarrassing. Yes, it would show something to Marco, but it would also show the rest of the Sir Elton John stand your backside. <laughs> and I think that's that's not a win-win. It's it, you know, there's a lot of people who be put out for that, and a lot of those would be Watford fans. So maybe not. Some of them would never come back. <laughs> what, I, what I might try and do then is perhaps whisper something under sort of when I'm close to him, I'll whisper something sort of witty and acerbic in his general direction. Okay, see what um, see what you can get out. So who was the guy? Who was the guy that tweeted? It was a Ken Semmer themed Ken Semmer, Twitter the, handle. He's the ex. Yes. Um, so if if you tweet me back with a message that you'd like me to sort of um, surreptitiously say under my breath, and I promise I'll do it within, uh, let's say, three metres of Marco Silva. <laughs> if you don't know, Mike does work for Opta on match days and does get to go around, in and around the tunnel, so we'll be in and around the snake. Uh, and then also Russ, uh, RJCB23, he said, maybe we should make to do it in our PE kits, but that's not uh, good enough. But also, maybe if we meet QPR in the Cup, for the podcast, you have to do a Steve McLaren fo- uh, fake uh, Dutch accent. <laughs> now, Colin, you're a master of voices. Uh, how's your oh, Dutch no. accent? I, because uh, I'm happy just to be here because that's <laughs> normal, eh? <laughs> so um, looking forward to the game at uh, Loftus Road. Not been there for many years, so yes, happy to uh, happy to oblige. Well, we'll see schmo- if we schmo- if schmo- if schmo- if schmo- get that. <laughs> if we get that or not, we'll find out later this week when the, when the replay happens. Uh, but also, <laughs> I think slight. I don't think he did a fake. I, if, if it's the clip I remember. I don't think he did a fake Dutch accent. He did a really badly, um, as you say, uh, foreign accent, as if um, English was his. Second language. No, it was definitely Dutch. It was definitely it? had a Dutch twang to it because he was at twenty, wasn't he, or twenty or whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, uh, and then, and then, what was hysterical about that was uh, that um, what's the chap that's the manager of Fleetwood, um, the one who went to France? You know, the the the, the um, scouts. Joey uh, Barton. Joey Barton. He 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 um, took the Mickey out of McLaren for years, but then bizarrely, really bizarrely, when he was at, I think he was at Nantes or somewhere like that in France and he had to do a, a, press, a post-match press course and he did it in a slight French accent yeah, which he yeah. realised halfway through and went, what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> well, 
that was hilarious, but let, let's get on to the, the business of the week. What wasn't hilarious particularly was uh, Watford's performance away at Brighton. Uh, we did get a point, and that's always important to uh, to get higher up the league. Um, basically, though, uh, Mike, the way I sort of see it is the zip and zing of our side uh, was missing, and it feels like it's been missing for a little while. Yeah, we mentioned on Wednesday, didn't we, that we felt... That- Pereira didn't didn't look great, did he? On on Wednesday night, we thought he might have been injured, and he was missing from the uh, from the match day squad on on Saturday. And I, I raised that in a tweet, and someone rightly pulled me up on it and said Pereira hasn't really been playing playing well for for a little while now, which is, which is true. And I'm not blaming Pereira, um, Bobby P, um, solely for the sort of lack lack of. And I think you you sum up quite nicely that zip and zing. Um, it, 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 we just we've lost our mojo a bit, haven't we? I think is the is the bottom line. And um, you know, you look back to the to, to the start of the season where you know we were creating chances left, right, and centre, and we were always confident of being in games, even if we were behind. That seems to have evaporated to a degree, doesn't it? Um, and I think the the reason I have for it is not because of Bobby Pete, although I still think we're not getting enough out of our creative players. I think Delafeu struggled again. Although I will leap to to Jerry 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 D's defence. I don't think he goes missing. I don't think he owes us no. anything. I think he he stays in games and he and he works hard. It just isn't happening for him. I think it's kind of like he reminds me a bit of Matty Vidra, um, a little bit. Who's such a confidence player who on his day was absolutely unplayable. You know, we saw the best and worst of that guy, didn't we? Um, depending on the time of day kind of game he was having, if he was through one on one, you'd get your, you'd put your mortgage on him either scoring it or missing it. There's no grey area; it was either red hot or ice cold. And and Delefeu, I think, is 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 to a degree the same, but he keeps going. He doesn't hide in matches. It's just not happening for him. I just think it's a real stark warning um, for me more than anyone else because I thought we'd be okay without him, but without Decore. I think we've looked a very, very different proposition. Well, let, let's talk about Decore in the midfield in a little bit. But Colin, do you think part of it, though, comes down to Saturday just Brighton? The fact that we're playing against a not necessarily as, uh, as negative team as, as Burnley were and as, as Newcastle uh, were minded. But they, they, nullif- they cancelled us out and they didn't do much themselves. Or, or was it Watford just not having a zing? No, no, it definitely wasn't just Watford. I mean... I, I was standing next to a chap called Ed in the in the first half, and we we found ourselves discussing our childhoods with each other because we don't know each other that well. And we realised after about fifteen minutes that we'd been doing this, and we hadn't been watching the game. There was really very little action in the first <laughs> half, particularly. But what you're dealing what you're dealing with with Brighton is the is sort of land of the giants. The back line are absolutely enormous, and then there's a, another chap that sits in front of them who's equally enormous. And so that's very difficult. It's very, that's why they're good at home, I think. And the difference between the Burnley performance, obviously Burnley were away when, when they, they played us. They were at Vicarage Road. So they're, they're going to be slightly more negative. They're desperate for points as well. So you can't really blame them for that. Brighton at home, I felt they were going to show a bit more. They really, really didn't show that much. I was slightly perplexed by Chris Hutton's post-match interview when he said it was definitely two points lost. It was a game they definitely should have won. I'm thinking, well, OK, you know, Foster made a couple of good saves. The one with his feet was so spectacularly good, I thought, and then the one right up in the corner. But, you know, we know Foster can make those saves. Apart from that, they didn't really have, like, a ricket, a miss, you know, a definite nailed-on chance. In the end, it was a sort of stalemate. And the, and the problem for us when we play these massive defences is that we're not, we don't seem to either stick or twist. So Deeney started, but not, but not success or grey. And Deeney just couldn't, he didn't win a single ball in the air. 
because the two blokes he's up against are, you know, I don't know, half a foot taller than him. So it, that, that was frustrating. There was a lot of balls into Deeney, but none of them seemed to stick. Delefeu got on the ball, but the thing about Delefeu, and we know, I noticed it at, at, in the Spurs game, one of the reasons he was substituted was that he wasn't able to, to compete physically with the, with the Tottenham defenders. And I think that's why he swapped him for Isaac. And again, on Saturday, Jerry coming through the middle doesn't seem to really be the best spot for him. I, I still feel personally that, that he should be out wider where he's had some success for us this season. When he comes central, he seems to get caught up in the melee uh, and it's not necessarily the best place for him. So we, we were slightly toothless. Ken Semmer, definitely a big Ken performance, not a Ken Zemar performance. He again huffed and puffed a bit and really get into the game very much. But I'm going to go back to this thing and I'm sorry to, to sound like a broken old record, but you know when you only play two central midfielders and we had Capu uh, and Cleverly, Firstly, I don't think you get the best out of Cleverly when he's deep lying like that. I think he's much more effective if you have him further up the pitch. We get, we're easy to play against because there's only two players in midfield. They put a three in there, a one in front of the back four and then two central midfielders and they, they, just, they just snuff us out. As soon as we got the ball in midfield, they were on us and they snuffed us out in the same way that, that Spurs were able to do and Burnley to some extent. So I think there's a, 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 we need to change our, our system and maybe go to a 4-2-3-1 you know, rather than a a 4 2 2 2. It's a 4 4 2, let's face it, with two wide men and two strikers. What we need is another player in the middle. And I, I must admit, on, on Saturday, I was crying out for Queener to come on and then allow Cleverly to go up, get Semmer off. Not, don't worry too much about the left wing. Let Holobas deal with that if, if we need him to come up and, and cause a threat. But you needed an extra man in central midfield to, to help us with our ball retention and help us with uh, being more creative going forward. And as it was, it was a sort of terrible stalemate. It was a really, it was a pretty dull game. <laughs> but it's a point away from home. And, you know, in the Premier League, any points away from home are, you know, are very valuable. Mike, you know, you, you start talking about the midfield and the and the lack of uh, decore, and I suppose it is really easy to sort of to see that. You know, we started with Cleverly, Capu, uh, and Will Hughes, sort of in in as a, as a midfield, um, mm. uh, as well as Ken Samar, so as a at four. You know, Ken, as we have said many times, it's not his preferred position, but it it just lacked a sort of, you know, they weren't really pressuring, they weren't really. The, the tempo wasn't there. That surely doesn't just come down to one man being Decore, does it? I think he's an exceptional player, and I think that's something that we might have glossed over a little bit. You get so used to someone, you know, he's been almost been an ever present, hasn't he? Since he since he broke into the side, and I think what he does defensive work and he does attacking work as well. He breaks up play, and then he looks. Then he's always looking to move forward, isn't he? He's looking to be to be positive, and I think play, the opposition worry about him. They know they have to deal with him, which then in turn frees up space, whether it's in midfield for someone like Capu to to do his thing, or or for Pereira or Delefeu to come deep and, and pick up the ball and, and, and off they go. So I think he is, I think he's proved to be a real, real important cog in, a, in the Watford wheel. I think Ken Semmer, I think, probably had his poorest game in a Watford shirt on Saturday. He looked off the off the Premier League pace, I think, if that's not not not, not wishing to be too harsh, because I think he's he's done well, as we rightly say, in, in not his preferred position. But I think he looked out of place I, th- I think he looked like the sort of player that we'd have had in previous uh, sojourns into the Premier League under Graham Taylor and, and A.D. Boothwood when we've gone, gone back down again it looked like that sort of you know and again I'm not getting at him I think he's a good player and I think he, we, we can get some use out of him but with taking Saturday in isolation I thought he looked out of his 
out of his depth and didn't really have much of an impact. So he did, I, and also he, he was playing on the left hand side, which is where we've been w- wanting him to play, and he didn't he didn't really produce no. much. Didn't get behind the full back. Didn't get any big crosses in. He you know he runs around a lot and he's strong and yeah. he's big, but he didn't have a, he didn't. He, Mike's absolutely right. I think we we definitely are missing the kind of composure and creativity of Decore and the way he makes us tick. But uh, certainly Ken on the left is, uh, you know, there's some work needs to be done. And the problem there, again, is Hughes feels he needs to have the balance, to balance the side and go out onto the right more than he probably wants to, which does leave us rather exposed right in the middle, I felt. Watford, Watford under their best, in the, in the, it was under the same under Silver when we were playing well under Silver, but our best under Gracia, what's been, what's been so joyous to watch has been that transition from, from defence to midfield to attack. And we've been able to, largely through the work, I think, of Decore and, uh, and Capoue and supplemented by some of the other guys, we have been able to, to move from front to back quite, quite nicely and, and turn defence into attack. It just looks like very, very little chance of that now. We're, we're, we're ponderous, everything gets gummed up because we're starting so far deep. As, as Colin rightly says, in, in midfield, we're, we tend to be overrun. Um, and then it's either... I don't think we have been doing this, but it's a, it's a ball, a, a, a hopeful ball forward to Dini who may or may not win the header but then who's there for the knockdown on bright uh, uh, on Saturday as, as Colin rightly said he struggled in the air so there was no knockdown even um so I think we're just stuck between a rock and a hard place at the moment I think we're we've got ourselves into a bit of a funk when it comes to 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 turning sort of possession into meaningful attacking possession um and I think that's something that that they definitely need to work on we need to get used to life without decore we need to um work out how to score goals again quite frankly um, because it is starting you know Hollywood mentioned it Kieran mentioned it on our WhatsApp group didn't he slowly but surely the the results are getting a little bit turgid aren't they and yes we're not getting thrashed every week we're not losing like we like we have done in in previous years but we're not not looking that much like winning are we we didn't you know the the, the statistics on on Saturday were absolutely damning in terms of our shots on target we didn't really look like we were going to break Burnley down. Um, we came up against a tough, strong uh, defence in, in Tottenham and, and were unable to break them down. Newcastle, I think they switched off for a split second and, and we were able to capitalise. But apart from that, we struggled to break them down. So we're starting to get a bit gummed up, I think. And we need, perhaps, as Colin said, I think a change in, change in focus, change in formation and just need, need to hit the reset button and, uh, and try and find our mojo again somehow. Yeah, I mean, I'd really like us to, to see us a player sort of a more of a 4-3-3. We've got the players for that system, I believe. The real problem we've got at the moment is that nobody wants to play as a right winger. I mean, Hughes doesn't really want to go out there. Delafoe clearly would go out there if he was asked, but uh, Javi wants him to play more centrally alongside Dini or just behind or just in front of Dini. What, what we haven't got is an out-and-out sort of right winger. We've tried Ken in there. That hasn't really worked. I'll tell you the other player I think we're missing, and I know we haven't really talked about him, but the player we, I think we're missing at the moment as well, in, t- in terms of the right side of the pitch, is Kiko. Because yeah. I thought he was, he was, he was playing himself into, into some really, really good form. He was getting up and back. His positions were good. He was definitely causing their fullback once he got up the pitch, causing them some trouble, linking up well with Hughes, who was slightly more central than him. And, and Yamba ha- is fine. He's, he's a very experienced Premier League player, but he doesn't, uh, he doesn't cause opposition uh, teams as much trouble as Kiko has. And it's partly because he's been out a long time. To be fair to him, I'm not having a go at him. But you know, he, doesn't, he doesn't bring 
bring as much, I think, as Kiko does. And we've missed that. Well, we uh, will maybe see some changes. We know Decore has said on Twitter, yes, he's going to be back in, in contention uh, against Everton. Uh, but we'll, 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 we'll see what goes on. I think, though, Decore doesn't like playing by the seaside because he didn't play at Brighton last year. And that was also a terrible game, even a worse <laughs> game, let's say, than this year's. So we'll see what happens uh, against Everton next weekend. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Mike's surname is Parkin. Here's a son called Arlo. And this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson, Arlo. Arlo, how's it going? Not very good. What's up? I've been off school today because I have a cold and a cough. Has that cold got anything to do with... Well, we're the, the podcast is a day late because we were out last night when we should have been doing the podcast. Where were we last night? At the ice hockey. I mean, you loved it, didn't you? Yeah. Having been, would you say you prefer watching the ice hockey or watching football? Ice hockey. Oh, what? Unbelievable. Now, what about... You still love Watford, though, right? Yeah. So, having seen ice hockey for the first time, which Watford players do you think would be good at ice hockey? Because it's very rough and tumble, isn't it? Andre Gray or Deeney. So the two strikers. Success. The three strikers. You want them to start playing ice hockey instead? No. No? Stick with Watford? Yeah. All right. Arlo, thanks very much for joining us. Bye-bye. The transfer window, it closed at last. Well, it didn't feel particularly long, but it's one of those things that sort of hangs over our heads. And Watford have a 26-man squad now. 23 of them are senior players. Three of them are uh, under 21. Uh, we Technically, we have two spaces for other senior players. The successor transfer window, well, we, we can judge it if we're crazy fans and we want to have a, 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 a speculation, uh, which is can be fun, but also can pull your hair out. And we never really quite dealt with the, the wish list, which was a new centre-back and another striker. So, let's look at the squad. Do we think... Actually, do you think, Colin, There's is there any Deadwood in that team? I know it's not 20 or a full squad, but is there any Deadwood? No, I don't think there's any dead wood, but I think there are players that we could upgrade if we could find suitable replacements for them. I mean, uh, I, I don't want to jump straight in, but you know, for me, I was I was quite shocked uh, and surprised that they let Wilmot go off to Udinese, and I wonder if that decision was more about Udinese than it was about either Watford or Wilmot because they're in a relegation battle, and he's proved himself to be a solid player for us. But I, I mean, I I think he's equal second best at the moment with Maps. So it seemed an odd choice to let him go. I'd have, I'd have sent Cabaselli and let him play himself back into some form. But then they're obviously thinking more. I think I think they're thinking more about Udinese than they were uh, about us because I don't think Wilmot's put a foot wrong. Games at Reading and against Spurs and then coming on in the Premier League. Okay, he had a, he had a tough job against Spurs at Wembley because he came on in the middle of you know of Rourke's drift. <laughs> and uh, there's not you know it's hard to, it's hard to do that when you come on and put in a defensive midfield position and try and stop the team from conceding a goal. It's very difficult if you've not been on from the beginning. But I don't think he's put a foot wrong and I, I was I was surprised by that. So in terms of we should have got ourselves another centre-back, I agree with that. What we've done is we've let one go. And what we're left with is Britos, uh, a Cabaselli who seems to have lost the trust of Javi because he's not playing. And then we've got Cathcart, who is solid as a rock, uh, I think. And Maps, who you know you can always rely on. But you know there are... 
players that do other things that Mariapa can't do. So I, I was surprised by that. I don't think the striker thing was ever really uh, an issue for the club because I think they feel they've got, they see Delefeo and Penaranda as forwards rather than as, you know, creative midfielders or wide players. So it was interesting that the, t- the players that we were linked with were mostly wingers. And we didn't get any of those over the line, partly because I think that, you know clubs want to see the Premier League as a cash cow, and they just they just jump the price and say we want thirty million euros for a player who, let's face it, is probably worth eighteen million euros or twenty. So, and and Watford are very good; they don't get sucked into that. They go, we're fine as we are. Uh, we'll we'll go on to the end of the season, and we we you know we'll have another think in the summer. The Wilmot one is is interesting. I think you're you're right, Connor. I think he's played well since he since he's stepped foot into the into the building. He and he hasn't set a foot wrong. But what I think it's important to remember is where he's come from. So Stevenage, I've seen a couple of of games at that level this year, and the the contrast between the quality is absolutely enormous so I think we've we've lucked out and it's often when if you see not lucked out that's 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 completely incorrect we've he we've said we've signed a decent player evidently and he's played well in the in the matches he, he's played in my question would be if he played in 40 matches as it stands would we see that level of performance from Bell, Ben Wilmot week in week, week out and who knows we might but we might not and I think for the rest of the season he's unlikely to get 10 starts if he comes back um, in April, May, with ten Serie A performances under his belt, a different way of thinking. You know, there's the whole discipline side of things. There's the the, the way the games played over there, having to deal with with talking other languages, with 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 people over there. So the whole thing will be an extraordinarily big experience for him and another step up from that you know uh, league you know Stevenage level which no offense to Stevenage but it is miles away from from the Premier League so we get a much more rounded player to kick off next season and he may well be he may well be a, a starting starting player next year and this this little experience now could could feed into it so i think he's likely to get more out of that than Cup appearances at Watford and and perhaps sub appearances. Maybe you might you might get another five appearances for the rest of the season. And of course, if if Cavaselli or, or Cathcart or someone gets injured, we find ourselves light. Then um, you can get cheap flights back from Italy, can't you? Because <laughs> for me, there's two bits set to it. I think you're right, Mike. You know, I think it'd be really great for his Pozzo development. You know, seeing him as a long-term player, that that experience of of learning a new language puts himself in a position where when these you know, when other overseas players come to Watford, he knows where they are. He can belate them a little bit better. But it, it, it is, like you say, it is those 10 games. But I think the thing he's most excited about, if you saw his tweet, was the fact he does want to bring back an Italian girl uh, as well as becoming a world-class centre-half. So he's really thinking about his future footballing-wise and also personal-wise. <laughs> um, Good, yeah, Good luck to absolutely. him. Good luck to him. Absolutely. He's a young, charming lad. Um, but, you yeah, know, there, there's, there's a bit with, you know, was Chalabar going to go out there and loan? I think, you know, I know there's a an element of the, the you're looking at it, Colin, in terms of the, the the squad and the depth of the squad where you could look at Wilmot, but it is a great experience for him. Um, Nathaniel was talked about maybe I think someone sort of mentioned maybe it was it was discussed a little bit. Would, would he go? And that would be for a very different reason. That would be purely for games because you are a senior player. Um, you wouldn't though see it as uh, a car going there, which is almost like a, a step out the door. Um, yeah, there are definitely. three different players who would have three different sort of approaches to a loan move to Udinese, not just let's go and play Udinese to help yeah, them out. I'm, I've come around to your point of view, John. I think Chalabar probably could do with uh, 
a move away to get games. I think going to Udinese would have been great for Chalabar because he wouldn't have felt it was a step backwards. Uh, if he'd gone to a championship team, which is something he's done many times in his career, including us, coming to us on loan, maybe he would have felt like, you know, same old, same old, here I am again. Going to a Serie A side and playing in a foreign country and being, uh, a, you know, a potential starter in a in an Udinese team, I think that would have given him maybe a boost, maybe more game time and given him a, the confidence that he seems to be Lacking so, sort so of, maybe, he has had that season, uh, oh, yeah, know, playing well, half a season, wasn't it? Yeah, but you know, so it was going to add to his, you know, as, as much it will add to the repertoire of Wilmot. But it, it, it did feel weird us sending loanees uh, to Udinese, uh, that's and and serious ones, not just get rid of them as some of our players. We they were they could have easily been two very serious moves uh, for the players for their future as part of the, the Pozzo family way. But succession planning, we've already talked about Decore and laughed without him, and succession planning is always, hopefully, going to happen. Um, and, and it's the thing that's going to make us a, a, a fixture in the Premier League. Do you think, though, Colin, where we are with our squad at the moment, the overall squad, with the young players, the older players, everything, do you think, in long term, things are looking good? Oh, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. If you look at that second goal against Newcastle, and okay, Newcastle didn't seem to have any intention of trying to win that cup tie. But, you know, Penaranda, uh, who's 20 years old, uh, or 21 or whatever he is, passes it out to Queener on the left, uh, who is 19. Success comes across the box from left to right. The pitch-perfect pass to him bundles the ball in. Those are, those are three of our youngest players. And so, uh, you know, the future... Is is looking, and if you if you put Wilmot in there and Chalabar to some extent, because he's still pretty young, you know we've got some we've got some good young talent at the club, young talent that isn't sitting in the under twenty threes wondering whether they're going to go off on loan to Boreham Wood or Bristol Rovers, but actually young players sitting in our main squad who are thinking, oh, I might get a start this Saturday. I've, I've had a good week in training, and Javi's been very, you know, he's put his arm around me a couple of times and said, mm, "We're doing really well, son." So I think we've got we've got a, a group of senior pros. Uh, people like Kapu and and uh, you know you have to in- include uh, uh, Gomez, I guess, and Foster uh, and and Yanmat and uh, lots of players who've had a lot of have played a lot of football in their careers. But then we've got a nice mixture of, of players coming into their peak. You could say cleverly and Decore are in that in that uh, in that group. And then we've got the the youngsters who are pushing and fighting for position in the in the team. I think still think we can improve the squad definitely in the summer. We're, we're at the back particularly, and you know we will have to replace Decore at some point. But at the moment, I think we'd be fine if if he left. But we you know it'd be good to bring in an, an, another a player that could could develop in a in a central midfield position. And I think they've got plans to do that. But no, I think we're in a really good place. I think I think that there's been a slow, gradual uh, improvement of the playing squad really over the past four seasons. And one of the reasons we're having, you could argue, our most comfortable season in the Premier League, and certainly the one where we feel more ambition, like we can kick on from here, and maybe get to fifty points. I think I think they I mean I think they've done everything uh, really well. Obviously they you know you make some mistakes in the transfer market. You bring players in who don't work out, and we've had a few of those. But every club has those. But basically, I think we're really really strong. And people start talking about us now when they say, "Oh yeah, well that's a hard place to go." Watford are a very tough side to play against. You know these are not things they used to say. And uh, so I think that reflects the the improvement in the playing squad. I think we're in, I think we're in a very good place. Speaking of the future, um, I think there's one transfer out that really did catch my eye and that was Michael Falivi going to AFC Wimbledon 
And I think Felivi's been one who people have sort of spoken about in, in hushed tones a little bit, but he's scored some great goals in, in the various youth teams and, and so on and so forth. He's got great pace and he, I hope, will get some games, some some regular regular football at AF, AFC Wimbledon. So it'd be really fascinating to see if he can if he can kick on and, and make a career at, at Watford because I think there are high hopes for him. Certainly I have. Um, so him getting regular game time will be will be really interesting to see. And I think... Colin's right. I think we we defended to the hilt Javi's decision to to bring eleven players in for the Newcastle game because we felt that the, all those eleven backup players in inverted commas were were good enough for the Premier League. So I think we're in a good place. But yeah, just keeping an eye on people like Felivi at, at Wimbledon will be will be fascinating. The other striker who's gone out alone, of course, is Jerome Sinclair, and you do have to you do have to wonder wonder about about him. And if I, I can't imagine he'll have a future at Watford because he'd have he'd have settled down by now. He hasn't had game time really wherever he's been but uh yeah Felivi is one of, I'm still hopeful for the uh, the thing is though that Hollywood brought up on our um our WhatsApp group he said now Mike is this extreme did you feel this is extreme I'd played Decore in the FA Cup and Chalaber in the league we're not thinking about Europe it is a chance it might come up but that sort of succession plan that getting ready for the next step would you think about that is that too much no, I don't. I think Chalaber is a problem, and I think getting ready for for post post decore is um, our very own millennium bug, isn't it? Is is going to be? It's going to take some <laughs> some doing. Um, I think it is extreme um, to to drop him on the basis that you know he's going in the summer. I don't. If you find me someone who can um, look me in the eye and and. and do a, a persuasive case for Decore staying in the summer I would, I'd be very surprised so he is going to go and we need to get ready for that and, and and Nathaniel Chalabar is a problem and I think we highlighted it when he got his injury we said this is this could be worrying for him because he got back into the Watford side after the long injury he got into the the England side and then he had this spell out again and then the form of his his colleagues at Watford have kept him out of the the, the team again so we said back then this could be a psychological um challenge uh, more than a physical or form based challenge for him and i think it's proved to be exactly that there's been a few rumblings about his uh, about him being offered an opportunity to go out on loan and him turning it down and i think it was to go abroad as opposed to a uh, down to the championship because i think Watford probably would recognize that's not where he wants to be so i think there is rumor that um unsubstantiated um that he was offered the chance to go away and he he said no uh, you could look at that two ways. It's like, right, he's got the hump and he wants to just keep his head down at Watford or he wants to stay at Watford and, and really fight for it and, and get back into the into the Watford um, side. But he is someone that I think, you know, we, you know, I was been gushing about him for ever since we signed him, been really excited about having him on our books as a, as a permanent player. He's a youngster with a, hopefully an incredible career ahead of him, but it's not panning out at the moment, is it? Um, and the fact that he's such a long way away from that that starting lineup, even with Decore not available, tells us probably everything we need to know about about where he is with, in terms of his his mental approach, his his fitness, his form, whatever. He's not there, and I think it, he's a problem we need to solve. And quite seriously, I think so. I think Hollywood's right to to be raising stuff like that. How do we solve a problem like Nate? I guess is the is the working title of this little project. For me. You just dismissed Europe there, John. I'm not quite prepared to 
prepared to do that yet. They, this little mini mini clutch of of teams around hovering around seventh is is not going anywhere. You know, Wolves are, are, are pulling away a little bit, and they're starting to look starting to look strong. They had a very good win against a, a particular team at the weekend. They were they were impressive there. So I think they've got four points on us now, haven't they? But you know, us Bournemouth, Leicester. Um, we're all gonna we all gonna be there or thereabouts. So I'm not gonna give up on Europe. So I definitely want a cup run, but I definitely want this strong finish in the league. I want us to to be as as potent as we can for the for the rest of the season. Um, so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be dropping Dakura. I think we need to be playing him while we've got him. But there is an um, issue. I there don't to know. Be actually, I think I think uh, Hollywood might have a point. I mean, uh, it's, we're in the fifth round. We're going to play QPR or Portsmouth. If we come through that. Which uh, you know we ought to, if you know if if uh, if the stars are aligned correctly, we ought to come through that. Say we get another championship side in the quarter final, we could very quickly find ourselves in the semi final. Now, uh, for me, you may not want to play Decore against QPR or Portsmouth because he's coming back from injury, and you want to keep him for Premier League games. But certainly, if we get to a quarter final, I think there's definitely an argument for saying let's play Decore, let's play Capu, let's play Dini, let you know, let's play uh, you know our, our first team eleven because that is the shortest route to Europe we've got right now we're four games away yeah um, but we play them in the league as well we wouldn't rest them in the Premier League no, just no, to play them in well, the FA no, Cup not, necess- not necessarily no I think that's I mean I think this thing about resting players all the time is a, isn't it a bit of a joke I mean is it, do they really need to be rested all the time I, I, you know we, we've been quite lucky with our fixtures the way they've fallen like we've played on a Monday and then not played it all you know we, we've had big gaps we haven't had we had that period over Christmas obviously but you know, I, I'm not sure that, that resting players is, ne- is necessary when they're as fit as they are. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a sports scientist. But that, but I, I certainly see there's an argument for playing someone like Decore uh, in the cup and, and, and allowing Chalabar maybe to come into the, into the team in the Premier League, particularly against maybe, you might argue, the lesser sides. I don't know. I mean, it, it is a conundrum for Watford to solve. So how are they going to solve the problem with Chalabar, what he needs is to play in order to gain confidence, to feel the trust of his manager. At the moment, he's not playing, so that he's in a negative spiral, presumably, fighting hard in training to get into the side, or not, depending where his head is. And, you know, what we need is we need to, we need to start getting the best out of him. The club have to find out the way to do that. And that's a man management thing, and that's something that should be discussed at boardroom level, and it should be then executed so that we that Chalabar starts to feel loved, because he, he probably doesn't feel all that loved at the moment, because he's hardly played. And especially when you come back from such a long injury, you really need to feel the support of your head coach, of you know, of your chairman. We really believe in you. We're going to find you time to play. And he has played in the Cups, but playing in the Cups still, at the, you know, at the Carabao Cup and then in the early rounds of the FA Cup, it does rather feel like, oh, I'm in the second 11 then. Cheers, lads. And I think what he needs is he needs a boost of confidence from somewhere. But also he's got to show the right attitude. He's got to perform when he comes on the pitch. And so far, he's not really been doing that. Mike will be finding out the, the secret silver phrase uh, that he'll have to try and say somewhere near Marco Silva. Um, <laughs> Colin, are you, are, you, are you worked up about playing Everton and Marco Silva coming back to Watford? Oh, or... oh, John, 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 I would love to tell you that I'm so above it all. I'm just a Watford <laughs> fan. I don't care about them. I never, I never give silver a second thought, but obviously, no. I mean, they've got, they've got a tough week. They've got to play City on Wednesday. If yeah. they lose that game, which, I mean, one assumes they will do, because um, City got the bit between their teeth because they're chasing down Liverpool. And if they then were defeated 
at our place, I think the pressure on Silva would build to kind of uh, a crescendo, ear-splitting crescendo. Uh, it'll be more and more difficult for him. The, the, what's interesting about Silva is that he hasn't changed at all. It seems to me that his press conferences at Everton are very similar to the ones that he had in the post-Christmas uh, New Year period and into January when he was with us. But the really interesting thing uh, and it started to be brought out by people like Ian Wright on Match of the Day, is that his teams simply cannot defend set pieces. And in the Premier League, that is bread and butter to every single other team. They know it, they set up, they go, Everton are no good at defending these, these set pieces. And so they get put under more and more pressure because they concede so many goals from free kicks and corners. Hopefully we can exploit that. Oh, and yeah. it would give... It would give me great pleasure to to see us beat them. I was absolutely devastated by the last minute equaliser up at Goodison Park, and I, I I like to think that we can we can give them a really good run for their money, find our mojo, attack them from the beginning, and really and really try and you know roll them over and put put Silver under more pressure because frankly I have no time for the man at all. I list I still listen to his press conferences because I'm a slightly obsessed Watford fan who <laughs> <laughs> can't bear the man. And I, what I see is a lot of moaning. A lot of it wasn't my fault. I didn't have the money in the summer. I haven't spent as much as other teams. It's like you know what? There's some good players in that squad. On, on the you know on paper you could argue they have a they have a better first team than than we do or certainly equal or a bit better they've got some very very good players like um, uh, Sigurdsson and so on um, but he's not getting the best out of them and he can't he can't create a defence that works and he couldn't do it with us we conceded loads of goals in that Christmas autumn Christmas New Year period so yeah I'm I'm looking forward to it I will definitely have a little bit more in my belly a little bit more fire in my belly than normal because we're we're, we're playing him at our place for the first time. Um, looking forward to it. Would be devastated if we lose. Devastated. Mike, uh, let's do make a prediction. What's going to happen on Saturday? It's going to be a good atmosphere, which I'm very much looking forward to. So I can guarantee that's going to happen. The big flags coming out, the, the record-breaking um, surfer flags coming out over the rookery end. So um, I think they were testing that this week to check they haven't got any moth holes in it or something like that. So hopefully <laughs> fair play to the 1881 for, for doing their bit and ramping up the atmosphere a little bit. Because I think it's right. It is a big grudge. And that's kind of what gets the blood going with, with, with football sports. We need a, a bit of old-fashioned sort of... Um, uh, bad blood don't you and obviously it'll be taken in good spirit we'll all go home at the end of the day it's only football but yeah we want to hammer them so the atmosphere will will be good I think we're going to find it difficult I think Colin said there he's right Everton have got players who can hurt us he didn't mention Richarlison so I will um, He he's a great player I don't care what anyone says obviously we've, everyone's got their own feelings about him um, but it's a bit of an abnormal game Saturday isn't it for, for a number of reasons he will undoubtedly want to uh, want to make it impact he's a guy who who plays well when his danders up I don't think he'll take any needing to any um, extra motivation to, to put in a decent performance and you know we've spent a, a lot of time talking about the Brighton game and, and where Watford are lacking <laughs> so we're going to find it we're going to find it tough we're going to have to defend well to not we're going to have to not give away free kicks of our own because obviously you've got Sigurdsson who can pop them in from from anywhere um, we've got Richardson dancing around the place um, so I think we'll have to going to be on our game I think we're going to find it very very difficult I'd like us to turn up at one of these emotionally charged games for once and, and send us all happy um, and so I'd like to say that we're going to win 3-0 Marco Silva will be sacked by the time we've all left the car park um, 
um, and we can all sort of uh, put that one to bed. But I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I think it's going to be. I think there'll be something um, controversial happen, um, and I can just you know when you can just picture something happen. So I can just see Marco Silva punching the air in the last minute as um, someone handles the ball in, perhaps for a, for to, to spawn Everton a, a last minute equaliser. It's going to be Watford two, Everton two. The Marco Silva soap opera will rumble on. And uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. That's the prediction. Let's see what happens. Thank you very much, Michael. You're more than welcome. Sorry again, it's late, everybody. Um, and do you know what uh, was quite? I did. I did laugh. I put that little tweet up that that had with um, accompanied with a picture from Graham Taylor holding up the uh, the I'm sorry um, placard, which was I think it was in 1982. He'd been a bit um, uh, rude about the Watford fans. He said they weren't passionate and uh, in the local press, and he he, he took to the uh, took to the pitch in the next game holding up a big banner saying I'm sorry which A is another mark of the man wasn't absolutely terrific but also if you look at the picture it's on our Twitter uh, at Watford Podcast someone pointed out that he would use the first ever use of the crying emoji three little <laughs> tears um, spurting out so Graham no, Taylor we, wasn't just ahead aware, of himself we're all aware that the original emojis were designed by Graham Taylor that was it wasn't, wasn't that his, his autobiography he did the smiley face emoji oh maybe I'm making that up <laughs> I don't think you are. <laughs> but yes, um, yeah, glad to have made it. Come on, you golden boys. Thank you very much, Colin. Thank you very much. Looking forward to Saturday. And we'll see you for another podcast after Watford apparently have drawn 2-2 with Everton. Cool, you all.